Yes. Just lift your hands to heaven for just a minute. Let's just worship him. Worship him, Father. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're going to do here this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your divine presence here. Father, I, I pray that each and every person here that hears my voice, Father, that their ears, their spiritual ears, their spiritual eyes are opening up right now, that they're going to receive today the engrafted word of God, which is able and uh, more than powerful to save their souls, to deliver them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, take your Bibles with me. If you've got your Bibles, maybe turn me down a little bit. I'm kind of feeding back. Glory to God. Just repeat after me. I believe, I believe. Everything, everything my Bible says, my Bible says. No, matter what the circumstances say. no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what the devil says, no matter what, the devil says. No matter what people say, Today I'm a believer. Therefore I'm a receiver. And I will receive absolutely everything that God has for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if you said that, now get ready because you're going to receive. You're going to receive. You've just opened up the door, the gates of heaven to speak into your life and to receive everything that God has for you. See, this is what happens is a lot of people don't open their mouths. I want to talk to you today about the authority of the believer. But it's going to come a little bit different than probably a lot of you have ever heard of it before. We're going to look at a few scriptures here. First one I want to go to is um, open your Bible to uh, Revelation chapter 1. We're going to start there first, because you need to see something. A lot, of, uh, a lot of the times, the reason why people don't receive is because their faith, they, ha they haven't activated it. I'm not saying they don't believe. I'm just saying you, faith has to be activated. If you don't activate your faith, all right, you're not going to receive. Well, how do you activate your faith? With your mouth. You activate your faith with your mouth. All right, what you say, believe that you, you, you shall receive, it shall be given unto you. In Revelation chapter 1, you there? Glory to God. Oh, that's where that went. Look here at verse uh, 5, because this is speaking of Jesus. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now here's what you want to look at here. And he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a king and a priest. All right, see there's revelation right there. You have to understand it. It doesn't say, it does not say he's going to make you a king and a priest. And that doesn't matter whether you're a male or female. All right, don't get hung up on that. King simply means you have authority. All right? A priest is who ministers to the Lord and receives from heaven. All right? And, and as this message goes on today, you'll start to understand why, why what's happened with a lot of, the, of people in the body of Christ is they don't understand the authority they actually have. 
they, they think that, well, you know, pastor has authority, um, and uh, a few people I know that are real strong in faith. No, no, no. See, you've been given authority. And if you won't open your mouth, and if you won't use that authority, um, it's really a form of rebellion. I'm sorry? You have to assert it, yeah. I thought I heard another word. But you know what? That was the word by the Spirit. It is called desertion. Because you're deserting what you're supposed to do. You know, we're in the body of Christ. We're an army. And if you, you know, as an army, if you've been given orders of things to do and you don't fulfill them, you have deserted your post. And it, it, what it does is it brings... It, it brings something, you know, it brings a, a, a sentence against you that is not pleasurable. Uh, look at this scripture here. Let's go here real quick. Um, Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. And I want to look at the first part of that only. In Isaiah 57, verse 19, the first part says, the Father speaking, he says, I create the fruit of the lips. Yeah. He creates the fruit of your lips. What are you saying about your situation? Or what are you not saying? See, you... Not saying something is just as bad as saying the wrong things. Now, we know in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life from the power of the tongue. All right? You've heard that enough now. You should have a revelation of that, that every time you speak, you are giving death to something and life to something. Or if you're not just saying anything at all, I guarantee you, death is operating in your life. Because the devil don't need no encouragement. He's going to do what he does because he's the devil. You're going, to get, you're going to come under attack. But see, if you won't open your lips, your mouth, and, and say things, you're going to see th some things happen in your life that you don't want to have happen. And you're going to wonder, God, where are you? Well, he said, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. But the devil's tr tried to convince you that you don't have a move to make. He, he's trying to convince you that the... The battle's already lost. You might as well give up and, do, and quit saying things because it's not going to do you any good. You know, I remember I just, you know, saying that. There was a, a party that was over, over in France at, um, at, the, at the Louvre Museum where they have, you know, uh, paintings and things like that. And this party was going through this tour at the Louvre and... Uh, the, the, the guide was showing them the, these different paintings and telling them a little bit about the history behind the painting and that. They came, to one, they came to one painting on the wall, and it was a picture of a man sitting down at a chess table. And you could see he, he was very distraught in what he was looking at as he looked at the chess table. And the Satan... Satan was standing on the other side, and the title of the, of, the, uh, of the painting was Checkmate. And uh, 
You could tell that the man sitting at the table on one side of the chess table was frustrated because he was about to lose the chess match. It was checkmate is what the title of it. Well, they got done explaining that, and the, the group moved on, except for one individual. He stayed, he stayed behind and kind of studied it. Now, what they didn't know is the individual that stayed behind and was studying this picture was a world champion chess player. And he was just kind of in, amazed at the picture and said, you know, something's not right here. And he just kept studying it, studied for uh, 15, 20 minutes, and after a little while... You know, the tour had moved on. The guide was like, where's so-and-so? We're missing somebody. And said, so, well, we think he's back over there. He will come back over here to look for this guy and bring him, bring him back into the tour. And the tour guide found him and said, uh, sir, you, we need to move along. I've I got a lot more to show you. And if you stand here and look at one picture, you're not going to see everything. He said, yeah, I know that. He said, but there's a problem here with this, with this painting. He said, well, what, what do you mean there's a problem? He said, well, the title of it is Checkmate. And he said, I'm looking at this painting. He said, and I, I, I don't know whether you know it or not, but I'm a world-class chess champion. I'm a champion. I, I've won championships. And I'm looking at this chess table here, and the king's got one more move. It ain't over. It ain't over. See, that's how the devil tries to, he tries to make things in your life Think that it's checkmate that you have you don't have, but you got the king's got another move. The king always has another move. And you've got to understand it. He's made you a king and a priest. He's given you the fruit of your lips. You just gotta to learn to speak. If you don't speak, you're being in rebellion. You're you are deserting your post as a soldier of Christ. Now go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. I believe what's going to happen here, your eyes are going to be open today. And any of you in here that are struggling with any issues in your life, it's about to come to an end. It's about to come to an end. Because you're going to see it. You're going to see it. Look at Matthew chapter 10. The devil has fought the church for so long on their authority because he doesn't want you and I to realize that we have power over him. And we do. I mean, a brand new Christian has more power over the devil. I mean, I'm talking one that just got born again five minutes ago has more power over the devil. If you start to think about that, you start to well, then why am I not seeing a manifestation in here? In my life, well, you're about to find out. You've got to get in faith. You've got to believe. You've got to start saying, I judge you, God, as faithful. All your promises are yes and amen in my life. All of them. Not might be, not could be, not when I get to, but right here in the dirty here now. This is where you need them. You won't need them in heaven. Everything's, everything's fine there. There's no devil up there. Look here in Matthew 10. And look at verse, first of all, look at verse 1. It says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, this is speaking of Jesus, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. 
Now, as a disciple of Christ, which is what you are, you are, and you know, we kind of talked about this at the men's meeting yesterday, but a disciple simply is being disciplined. Is being disciplined. You know, part of the discipline is when, when the devil roars his ugly head, you speak. You don't sit there and be quiet. You speak. Amen? Because you're, di you're a disciple. Jesus just said, he said, all power I give unto you. Go out and heal the sick. Right? Heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You know, I remember somebody saying about this 10, 15 years ago, they said well, they had done an intense study over this word all. Spent hours and hours digging up and, and finding out about the word all. And they said at the end of that, after, after spending hours and hours of research on all, they come to find out one thing. All meant all. It means all. All sickness. All disease. Not, not most, not some. All. And that's what Jesus said. Now look in verse 10 here, or verse 8. He says this. Well, back in verse 7. He says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, verse 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Now you don't hear that, you don't have that scripture preached much in churches. Why? Because it's got a phrase in there they don't like to deal with. Raise the dead. See, as a disciple, you and I are called to raise the dead. I mean, that, he said it. I didn't say, he said raise the dead. Well then why don't we see that happening in church services? They're scared. How how'd they get scared? They got away from the word. You know, if somebody dies and you go and minister to them, you're not raising them from the dead. It's the power of God through you. The only reason why you are intimidated to think that you have to raise them from the dead is because you don't spend enough time in the Word and, and fellowshipping with the Father to understand He gives you power. He, just as Jesus said, I, I, I give the disciple, I give you all power. Now why would He say go out and raise the dead if, you, if He wasn't going to show up on the scene? He wouldn't. He's faithful. Is He faithful? Is all his promises yes and amen or not? All of them. So if they are, then I have authority. He's made me a king and a priest. All right? Those are too, too important because when we look at what, what the devil has done over the years, you go back into the Old Testament. Satan came against the church um, and has tried to steal our authority. And he's been pretty successful at it because the church is just back down, away from authority. When you go, you look at uh, in Nehemiah when he's rebuilding the wall. And Nehemiah, God told Nehemiah, said, when you build the wall, ha have, a, have a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. Be ready to fight. And the church has, has backed away from fighting. Now, well, you know, we've kind of 
backed off to, to the point where we're saying, well, we, you know, we, we don't really want to fight. We want to be at peace. No, that's not, that's not the church. That's not the church. You, you've been made a king and a priest. Now, the battle's the Lord's. The Lord's already won the battle. But you're going to have to enforce the victory. You are going to have to enforce the victory. When we look back into the Old, into the Old Testament, like I said, um, the Bible talks about Satan being the god of this world. Well, when you look at that word world, it really means the world system. Right? It's the world system. He's not the God of the earth because the, the Bible says for the, full, for the, for the earth is, is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's, but Satan is the God of the world system. And that's how everything operates. He's not the God of this whole earth. You and I are. When you go back into um, Genesis, in Genesis, when God made man, he said, he said, let us make him in, in our image and let us give them dominion over everything on the earth, over the ground, over the animals, over everything that creeps upon the earth. See, like Charles Capps said one time, you got authority over creeps. <laughs> you got authority over creeps. So, when you, when you study that out, what's that word dominion mean? It means absolute authority. God, basi God basically said, he took his word, and he, and he handed it to man, and he said, here you go. It's all yours now. Now, I can't do anything unless you give me permission to do it. Too late. It's already done. I already gave you dominion. That's, that, that's just an example. That's exactly what he did. He handed his, his, his authority on the earth, and he gave it to you and me. And he said, now, the only way I can operate is if you'll speak my word, then that gives me authority to step in and change this situation. Now, his ultimate plan's coming to pass. Jesus, Jesus is coming back. There's not a thing you and I can do about it. You know, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that all came to pass because that was, that was part of the plan. But see, he gave all of us authority to operate in this earth. When you look into the Old Testament, um, you go back into, uh, oh, what do I want to say? Look at uh, King David. We talked about him earlier. David has this is the youngest of, of the children. And Samuel has anointed King Saul as king over Israel. Right? But here's a problem that, that takes place. Saul disobeys the Lord. Matter of fact, there was a particular battle and Saul was about to go into battle and he was waiting for, he was waiting for uh, Samuel to come and bless him so he could go into battle. And he's waiting, and Samuel doesn't show up yet. So he waits a little while longer, and still is no Samuel. So he says, you know what? Samuel anointed me. He made me king. I've got just as much authority as he has. We're going to go on into battle here. 
So he, he starts to go into battle, and about that time, Samuel shows up and he says, Saul, what are you doing? He said, well, I blessed, I blessed the army, and we're going, in, we're going to go in and, and fight these. He said, no, you're not. You ain't the man of God. I'm the man of God. You're just a king. He starts to get in trouble. He gets in trouble. And then Samuel comes back and tells Saul, he said, today the kingdom is taken from your hands. Well, who's got the authority? The king or the prophet? The prophet does. Right? Because the kingdom got taken from his, his hands. And then the, the Lord said, now go, go to Jesse's house and you'll find the next king to anoint. And he goes there and, and Jesse brings out his oldest boy. Travis, stand up. This, this is my oldest son. Surely you want him. He says, no, that's not him. He goes to his next son. Stand up, John. Samuel says, no, that's not him. Sit down. He goes to his next son. He says, son, stand up. Surely this one. Now this one here, he, he's a real fine lad. You, you want it's not him. He goes, he's got, you got any left here? He said, well, there's this, this, this young kid out in, out in the field. He's, there's not much to him. He, he's not much to look at. He said, well, go get him anyway. Okay, so they go get him. Matt, stand up. He comes in and, saw, and, and Samuel says, this is him. I anoint you king. He anointed him king. Now, here's the story, the whole thing. Who had the authority here to change the situation? Did the government? No. The prophet did. The prophet anoints him king to take over the, the kingdom. So, you have to start to see some things. In the Old Testament, God's, you can sit down, God's setting an example and showing us who is actually in authority. It's not the government. You know, you know the government will try to say that, that this is a nation for all peoples, and, and we're going to change things. No, you're not! The church has to stand up and say, hold on, no, 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 no. We are the ones in authority here. Right. Not you. Right. You work for us. You work for us. And the church hasn't done that, and that's why we're in the situation that we're in today, is because men and women of God haven't stood up and said, not on my watch. Amen. Now about six months ago, in one of our um, intercessory prayers, the Lord had me speaking about some things happening here in Boonville. I believe it was five, six months ago, honey, was it? Right around there. I said there's people in authority and political powers are going to be removed from their positions. And here in the last week or so, we've seen it happen. We've seen people taken out of position. I'm telling you, God's not done. He's giving these others some time to repent. And if they don't repent, they'll be removed from their positions. And not only removed, they'll be exposed for the liars and the thieves that they are, the swindlers that they are.
It'll come to pass. It will be. Because we're in control. We're in charge. We have authority. David then comes... Uh, when, when Saul and, and, and the Israeli army is facing Goliath, David comes to the scene. What y'all doing out here? Well, this giant over here, he wants to fight us and nobody wants to fight him. He says, what? He said, yeah, the, the giant wants us to fight him and whoever, whoever, whoever wins, the other army has to serve him. Nobody here wants to step out. So King Saul says to, says to David, David says to King Saul, I'll fight him. Who is this uncircumcised, that would, uncircumcised Philistine that would come against the living God? I'll go out there and show them that there is a God in Israel. And mealy-mouthed King Saul says, Here, David, you can use my armor. It's brand new. It'll protect you. And I'll guarantee you, David looked at that armor and said, if it's so great, why don't you put it on and go out there? That's true. He said, no, I don't know how that works. Now, you go back in pictures, and if you've got, you got one of those 25-pound Bibles at home, open it up, and there's probably a picture of David in there. Uh, you know, and he told he because David told Saul, he said, "I slew the bear and I slew the lion." And you'll look in there, and you go into an art museum, you'll see a, there'll be a picture of of a bear and a lion with a lamb in its mouth, and David standing about forty feet away with a sling, going like this. All right? That ain't what happened. He said, "That he said." There was a lion and a bear that had a lamp, my father's lamb in its mouth, and I ran up to him and grabbed it out of its mouth and grabbed his beard and slew that animal. See, devil's already trying to twist things, trying to make it look like, well, he had to have a little... No, he did. He slew it with his bare hands. See, that's who you want fighting for you. That's the power of God coming on somebody that's believing God. Because in the natural, a man can't defeat a bear or a lion. But supernaturally anointed by God, yes you can. Yes you can. See, and that's what the enemy has done over the years, is he's tried to convince the church that, and we've seen in this country, talk about separation of church and state. Well, the church shouldn't be doing this because it's separation of church and state. That's not what that meant. The purpose of separation of church and state was to keep the government out of the church, not the church out of the government. Yeah. That's right. Now, I'm, t I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's things going on behind the scenes in our government, and I'm going to tell you, the righteousness of God will win in this battle. I'm, I, I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican. There's crooked people on both sides. But this country is the only country in the world that was founded based on the Bible. And God's not going to step away from it. But we as believers need to understand the authority that we have because the prophets had all the authority. Uh... 
we go back into um, later on with uh, Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel, the evil rulers of, of, uh, of the nation. And Elijah comes along. And Elijah doesn't put up with him. Ahab one day goes down to this vineyard that Naboth owns. And he wants his vineyard. He says, Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard from you. It's a beautiful vineyard. I like it. It's really what I want to use. And it just fits everything I have. And Naboth says, I'm not selling it. God told me not to sell it to you. He says, I'll give you all this money for it. I'm not selling it. God told me not to sell it. So he goes back home. Jezebel says, honey, why are you so, looking, why are you so depressed? He said, because I went down to Naboth and I wanted to buy his vineyard. He wouldn't sell it to me. She said, honey, you just go to, go to bed and, and get some rest. I'll take care of this. She goes down there and she has Naboth killed and his son's killed. She comes back and she tells uh, Ahab, honey, that vineyard's yours. Go down there and enjoy it. And he goes down there. And when he goes down there, Elijah shows up. And Naboth's words are, Elijah, my enemy has come here. To do what? Does Ahab sound like he's a man with authority? No, he's in fear. He's afraid of Elijah. And Elijah tells him, you and your family will die. You'll die in battle. And it was a short time thereafter. Ahab was killed in battle. You go back to, to, to David, how God made him a king of, of Israel. And then one day, David, who's, who's at home, and instead of should have been out fighting with his men, He's at home taking it easy. And he, go, and he looks out over, over his kingdom one day and he sees this woman taking a bath and she's naked. And he says, wow, who is that? And he finds out it's Bathsheba and he says, go send for her to come here. Well, she's married. I don't care. Send for her to come here. They get together. And she's expecting a baby. And she says, David, I'm pregnant with your baby. What are we going to do? He said, oh, I can handle it. So he sends for her husband, Uriah. Call Uriah in from the battlefield. And what I'll do is I'll bring him home for a couple days. He can sleep with you, and you can tell everybody that it's your, y'all's kids. Nobody will, know, nobody will be the wiser. Uriah comes back home. David says, why don't you go home and spend the weekend with your wife? You know, you've been fighting and all that. Have a good time with your wife. David just kind of ushers him out the door, closes the door, says, go home to your wife. Uriah's standing outside David's door and says, I can't go home. How can I go home? My men are out there fighting. They, they can't come home and spend the weekend with their wives. I'm not going to spend the weekend home with my wife. I'll sleep right here at his doorstep. 
And he does. He doesn't go home. So David gets a hold of Bathsheba and says, Hey, Bathsheba, uh, how did everything go? What do you mean? No, Uriah, come home for this week. He didn't come home. What? He didn't come home. I didn't, haven't seen him. We can't tell everybody that it's our child. It's his and, his and my child. David said, okay, I got this. He calls Uriah in with orders, gives him orders to take back to his commanding officer. And the orders say, when Uriah, put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle, and when the battle intensifies to the hottest point, have all the soldiers around him withdraw and leave him out in the midst of the battle. And he gets killed. He gets killed. A man of honor. So, days go by, the sun shines, the birds sing. And one day, prophet Nathan comes in. He says, David, I need to talk to you. What? So I got a story for you. There's this, there was this shepherd, and he has a gazillion sheep. A gazillion. And there was another shepherd over here. He had one sheep. And he loved that sheep. That sheep was his whole life. And that shepherd that had a gazillion sheep came and stole that sheep from that shepherd that had just one. And David rose up and said, Who is that man? We'll have his hide! And Nathan said, It is you. You're that man. And David repented because he knew it was true. And the prophet said, this child that you and Bathsheba have created will die. The prophet. And David goes before the Lord and says, Lord, he begs and pleads, let this child be born, let him be healthy. Let... No. What you have done, you have opened a door. Who had the authority in this? If David was king and had all the authority, it wouldn't matter what the prophet said. The prophet was the one that was in charge. Later on, back to Ahab and, and Jezebel. Years later, Ahab is dead. And now Elijah's gone. He's been raptured out. And it's just Elisha. And Elisha says to a prophet, we don't even know the guy's name. He says, prophet, go to, to Jehu and take with you a horn filled with oil. Now, this wasn't a little bitty bowl. This was a horn that was filled. And he said, anoint him king. So he does. He takes off. He finds Jehu. She says, Jehu... I'm a prophet of God, I need to talk to you. Can we go in the back room and talk? He says, sure, let's go. 
And the prophet takes the oil and dumps it over his head. It says, today you are anointed king. And you are to go after Jezebel. And Elisha had said that she'll, she'll die and there will not be anything left of her but her head and her feet and her hands. So Jehu gets up on his, his horse and says, let's go to Jezebel. So he goes and, 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 and two of uh, Jezebel's men meet him. Says, Jehu, are you come in peace? And he said, I have not come in peace. There's another man that comes in. Jehu, have you come in peace? He says, I have not come in peace. And they both take off. And Jehu pulls, pulls an arrow out of his quiver. He notches it, draws back, shoots him, he drops dead. He takes another arrow out, notches it, points it at the other one, shoots it. He hits him, and then later on that guy dies. Jehu then goes in, and Jezebel's waiting for him. She's, she's got her face all made up. And there's two men up in, up, up in her, her room with her. And Jehu says, throw her down! And they threw her down and she splattered and said the blood splattered on the horses and the walls. And then, he, and then Jehu rode on top of her with his horse. Got down off his horse and went in and had a meal. He's getting done with his meal and he says, you know, she is a she is the daughter of a king. We should give her a proper burial. Go out and bury her. They go out there and there's nothing left. They said, sir, there's nothing left of her but her hands and her, her feet and her skull. The dogs have eaten the rest. Exactly like the prophet said. Elijah goes up against uh, the prophets of Baal. Remember that story? 850 of them. 850 prophets of Baal. And says, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out whose God is God. And you find out that's who you're going to serve. So here's what we'll do. You sacrifice a bullock, and you put wood all around it, and call your God, the God of Baal, to, to bring fire down from heaven and burn it up. And I'll do the same thing after you're done. So the prophets of Baal, they get the bullock and they put it out there and, and they put all the wood around it. And they start praying. They start ciphering. Oh God of Baal, come down and, and burn this sacrifice up. Hour goes by. Three hours go by. Half the day's gone by. Elijah's getting a little impatient. He says, uh, maybe uh, Baal's asleep. Maybe he's staying at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> maybe he's gone out of town for the weekend. So he says, it's my turn. And he orders, he says, take the bullock, kill it, Put wood all over it. Dig a trench around it. A deep trench. 
Then bring barrels of water and pour it upon the sacrifice. Just keep pouring it until it pours down off that sacrifice and the wood and the trench around it is all filled with water. They do that. Then he prays. And the fire from heaven comes down and burns that sacrifice up, burns all the wood and reaches down into the trench and sucks up all the water and burns it up. And then Elisha goes after the 850 prophets of Baal and he slays them with his sword. Who's in charge here? The king or the prophet? You've been made kings and priests. You have. You can't say, well, I'm not a prophet. You're a priest. It's in the category of the prophet. You will open your mouth and you will speak to your situation and understand that heaven is backing you up. You don't like what you see? Change it. I did. My wife don't like me telling this, but years ago, it was probably seven or eight years ago, I said, I, I, I feel like I, I want to move to Florida. I said, I like the warm weather. She said, I don't, I, want to, I don't want to move to Florida. I may have said it two or two or three other times. And she kept saying, no, I don't want to go to Florida. I like the seasons. I said, okay. All right. If I can't go to Florida, I'll bring Florida to me. She said, what do you mean? I said, if Elijah can cause it not to rain for three and a half years, I can cause warm weather to come up. I said, from this point on, we're not having snow or ice or anything. I'm not having that. I don't like it. We're not having any real cold weather. You notice the weather's changed over the last 7, 10 years. I guess people are praying for me to go home so the weather can get back to what they like. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, you have so much authority in you and the devil is stealing it from you and keeping you blinded to it so that you don't say anything. All you do, what a lot of Christians do is they sit around and talk about their problems. Why isn't it manifesting for me? Because you're not saying anything. You're a king and a prophet. You're a priest before God. Jesus said you are. I didn't say you were. He said you were. You've got to speak to your situations. And they'll change. We just read in Isaiah that God said he'll, He gives you the, He creates the fruit of your lips. He's watching over His Word to perform it. He's waiting for you to say something about your life. But most Christians can't, can't say anything because they don't even know about their life. They don't know that their life is hid in Christ Jesus. They don't understand that until they get their heavenly relationship pro properly aligned, nothing's going to work in their life. Amen. So when you go to tell, to tell people, hey, you've got to watch what you say, blessings and cursing are, are in the life, life of the tongue, you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue, they'll look at you like, you're weird. Well, you are, the Bible says you are a peculiar people. 
It's all in you. Start speaking to your situations. Now, in, in the New Testament, we walk in grace and mercy. We have the love of God. But you know when the devil rears his ugly head, you need to turn into an Old Testament warrior. that stands up and says, devil, not today. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And that doesn't mean heaven's under attack. That word suffer means permits, it encourages violent taking. Heaven encourages you and me to be violent in our taking. And those that will get violent, and that doesn't mean hitting people, it means getting violent with your faith. Not today, Satan. Not my house, you're not. Not my schools, you're not. Not my city, you're not. Not my state, you're not. Not my country, you're not. power of God's in you. You have authority. You've had, we've had authority. We just, as a church, as a whole, hasn't walked in it. Because the devil's, the God of this world, it says, has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Another way of saying it is, he's blinded the minds of those that are in rebellion. If you're a Christian and you're not, you're not walking in authority, you've got to admit, you say, I, I, Father, I've been in rebellion. How do, I, how do I change that? Father, you just did. You admitted you have been in rebellion. Father, forgive me. I have been in rebellion. I've not been walking in the authority that you gave me. And I purpose that from this day forward, I am going to walk in that authority. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all say that. Father, Father I, ask me. I ask you to forgive me. I have not walked in the authority you've given to me. I was in rebellion. I'm not anymore. I purpose in my heart to walk in the authority that you gave me. I will answer the devil's attacks in Jesus' name. In Jesus, name. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So be it. So be it. When you say amen, did you know, I, that's what I was going to say that earlier. Do you know when you say amen, amen means as it is in heaven, so it be in my life. Amen is not just a saying, a cool saying that people say. It may sound like that, but see, it, that's, not, that's not really what it is. When you say amen, you don't have to wait till the end of the sermon. You can say it throughout the whole sermon. When something that, God, that the word is spoken of, and you say, I agree with that, it's going to be in my life as it is in heaven, amen. amen. That's what that means. You're exerting your authority saying, it's in my life as it is in heaven. Everything's going to be okay. You believe that? Yes, sir. Quit listening to the lies of the devil. Everything's going to be fine. In Jesus' name. I don't know how to get it plainer than that, bud. <laughs>
The devil's been hit, hitting you with attacks, saying, putting all this negative stuff. It's not going to be that way. That's a lie. That's a lie. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brandon, it's all turning around, bud. It's all turning around. You, 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 you've made the turn now. You've made the turn. Now you, walk, you just continue to walk it out. You got it. You got it. You're changed too. You've changed too. Amen. God's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on you. What He said to you in the past concerning your life, He's not strayed from that. He says, I'm going to catch you up. I'm going to catch you up. I'm going to catch you up. Don't think, well, I miss God. I'm never going to get... No, no, no. God said, I'm going to catch you up. Bring you right to where you're supposed to be as though you never left. Hallelujah. 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 You believe that? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Shh. Get off her mind. Devil, you're a liar. You are such a liar. Not on my watch. Not on my watch, it ain't going to happen. It'll be as I say. She's healed. She's walking in divine healing all the days of her life. And she's praising and shouting God <laughs> louder now because of your attack. Devil, loose her now. It's, go it's, going to be, it's going to be worse for you now, Satan, because you've been found out. She's going to shout from the mountaintops. She's going to shout from the city square the praises and glory of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The power of God's working in you, honey. It's working in you. It's working in you. The whole situation's changing. It's been changing, and it's continuing to change, and it's continuing to get better and better and better. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whew. Some of you made a turn today. Some of you, uh, quite a few of you actually, made a, you made a turn today. You believe that? I told you this was going to be a different message on authority than what you had heard in the past. The prophets are the ones in authority. The priests are the ones in authority. Yeah. In the Old Testament, you've got to understand something. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So where you see the prophets in charge in the Old Testament, we got a better testament. It's, it didn't get worse. It's better now in the New Testament. We've got even more authority. Just walk in it. Just walk in it. Just walk in it. Well, I mean, you, you see it come to pass. I'm telling you, there's more people in the political realm here in Boonville that are getting ready to lose their jobs. There's more change coming. There's more change coming. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Did you get something today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, before I, I, I dismiss you, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to this message again. When we, when we upload it to Spotify and iHeart and whatever we got, go back and listen to it on there. Listen to it two or three times. Get it in your spirit. I know you got it right now, but see, you're gonna, faith come, you, you need faith every day. You can't live tomorrow off of today's faith. You can't. You can't live Tuesday off of Sunday's faith. You need faith every day. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Hearing by the Word of God. That's right. You do it whether you want to or not. You, you do it whether you feel like it or not. Yeah. The devil will always come at you and against you when you're about to hit a breakthrough. You've got you to get that revelation. The reason why it feels like you're not getting anywhere is because you're about to break through. Now you storm through. You don't sit down. You, do, you be like David. You, you run at the giant with your mouth open. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, Father, I call these people the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. Father, everything they put their hands to prospers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Glory to God.